Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship this morning. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us, and hopefully you've had a chance to look through the bulletin. Uh, you'll notice that we are, of course, ready for Christmas, but this today is the new year for the ecclesial year. We're going to start the new year uh, as every Christian denomination that follows the lectionary does. Uh, with Advent. And so today is the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, So we're going to do things a little differently during worship. Uh, Hopefully you've taken a a glance at what's about to happen uh, in the next couple minutes, but we're going to um, start the process of preparing our hearts for the second Advent, the the second coming of Christ, which is what we uh, celebrate each year for Christmas. Um, so if you want to take a look real quick with me, what we're going to do, just kind of walk you through some of what we're going to have uh, experienced. As soon as we sing our first hymn, um, we are going to sing a hymn today. As soon as we sing our first hymn, then you'll be seated. I'll ask you to have a seat. Kathleen Jordan's going to come forward and start the process. Uh, as soon as uh, the choir finishes the first verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is a longly uh, practiced liturgical um, song. It's called From the Old Antiphons. It's one of the first things we have historically about people preparing for the Christ child. And so it's going to be something that we incorporate into worship this Sunday. Then Kathleen's going to do her reading. We're going to have a little bit of a responsive prayer there together. And then we will stand and we'll sing the appropriate verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is printed for you in the bulletin. So hopefully this uh, helps you prepare yourself for worship for the rest of the Advent season as we approach the birth of the Christ child. Also, hopefully you've paid attention that this coming Wednesday we start our practice for our Christmas pageant with the children and the youth. Uh, If you'd like to participate in that or you have a child that you would like to participate, we hope that you'll join us uh, first for dinner at 545 and then for uh, play practice at 6.30. Also, I'll be teaching uh, an Advent Sunday school, or Advent, not Sunday school, but Advent class during that time as well for any adults that want to come and participate with that as well. Also, we hope that you paid attention to its time uh, of the year where we're going to ask for support for the Christmas baskets. Uh, so those donations, uh, you can look more about that in the bulletin. Uh, but you can receive those uh, either in the offering plate. You can bring those donations to the church office or mail them in, whichever is easiest for you. And lastly, it's the time of the year where Session is working on the budget, and so we hope that you receive the stewardship letter that was sent out. Uh, We hope that you're preparing to bring your pledge card to church and put it in the offering plate. If you've done that, we appreciate that. If you're not somebody that pledges regularly, we would ask that you consider pledging this year. Uh, Mary Ellen has something to share with us about worship this morning as well.
worship the living God. Please join me in the call to worship. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Come, let us worship the triune God. Please join us in the Gathering Song 377, and if you would, um, mask while you're singing, please.
seated. Today we light the first candle of the Advent wreath. This is the candle of hope. We can just hope we can get this lit. With Christians around the world, we use this light to help us prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we receive God's light as we hear the words of the prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. As we imagine what it was like to await the first coming of the Messiah, let us also together recognize the hope we have in awaiting his return. This Advent season, allow the security of hope to rule in your lives. Let us pray. Lord, as we look to the birth of Jesus, grant that the light of your love for us will help us to become lights in the lives of those around us. Prepare our hearts for the joy and gladness of your coming, for Jesus is our hope. Amen. of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. Okay, the call to confession. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Since God has told us this truth, let us confess our sin before him. 
Almighty God, you warn us to read the signs for the coming of your glory. In the sun, the moon, the stars, the roaring of the seas and the waves, the distress among nations. We have seen it all before. Nothing seems to change. Help us live with courage in this age of ambiguity where wars are fought for peace and freedoms are stripped in the name of liberty. Forgive our lapse of focus, our sense that nothing ever really changes. Teach us to wait with patience that we may be ready as our Redeemer draws near. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn us? Only Christ. Yet we know that Christ came for us, He lived with us, He died for us. He rose again to a new life for us and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, where the Apostle Paul reminds us that He prays for us. We know that in Christ's coming, God was reconciling the world to Himself, that our old life is gone and a new life remains. So know that you have been forgiven and be at peace and pray also for me, a sinner. Amen. seated. Our Old Testament reading is from Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 14 through 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. seated. This time I invite the children forward for a children's sermon. Good morning. So, it's going to be a weird question perhaps, but I'm wondering if any of you have ever had a bad day. Have you had a bad day? Have you ever had a bad day? You've never had a bad day? That's awesome. Well, those two of you that have had a bad day, 
Are you willing to tell me a little bit about what your bad day was like? What 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 was what made it a bad day? School. Yep. It just wasn't fun. School was just terrible that day. Okay. All right. How was your bad day? What was it like? When it was raining, you couldn't go outside and swing. Yes, that sounds like a bad day to me as well. We, we've had a few bad days at our house lately because our heat has not been working. And so it's been a couple of bad days at our house. And so we have to wait for somebody to come fix the heat. And so that's been that's been pretty bummer, right? So here's the crazy thing about the reason I asked that question. That there's a word that's a really important word during Advent. And that word is hope. Have you ever heard that word before? No, no, okay. You have, but you too haven't. Okay, it's okay. So here's here's what hope kind of is. Hope is something that we think, even though we're having maybe a bad day or a bad couple of days or a bad week or a bad month or maybe even a bad year, we could say we have hope that something will be better in the future. It's a promise that God gave us that even though we might have a terrible, no good, very bad day, that there's always hope. There's this promise almost of a time in the future where something will be better. Did school eventually end that day? Yes. Did it stop raining eventually? Did you get to swing again? Right. Okay. And so that's the kind of excitement that we have. We hope we have this promise from God that there's going to be a time where there are no more bad days, that, that God will take all of our bad days away. And that's something for us to all look forward to. So today we're going to pray um, that God continues to give us this, this hope. And so when I pray, you guys pray after me, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, you rock, and we love you. And we're so glad you gave us hope. It's hard to understand, but it's a good promise, and we hope we get to experience it. We love you. Amen. Okay, go sit down.
I don't know about you, but I'm glad we're singing again. It's, I've missed it. I didn't realize how much I'd missed it until just now. So thank you for that. Our New Testament text, the gospel text, in fact, from, for this morning is Luke 21, and verses 25 through 36. Hear God's holy word. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations caused by roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud in power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. May the Lord add blessing and understanding to the reading and hearing of His holy word. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for your story. We thank you, God, for the way that you interact with us in the form of story. And God, as we try to understand this story this day, we pray that your spirit be upon us and give us strength. We say all this in the name of your Son. Amen. About this time every year, I'm reminded of being uh, in high school and my first or second year of college and working at the Huntington Mall. Um, it seemed like angels and Santas were everywhere. They were draped with cascades of red and green. And then there was the incessant refrain of Mariah Carey's, All I Want for Christmas, or The Shins' Wonderful Christmas. Uh, those were already kind of anesthetizing the airwaves of the mall. And I was always more a fan of the Kinks, uh, who, I mean, I just think that's a better band to begin with. But um, they had a great song um, that I think is, is probably a great Advent song, um, but it's called Father Christmas. And if you've not heard Father Christmas, well, if you've been to the mall, you've probably heard it. But if you haven't heard it of late, I encourage you to go on YouTube today and listen to it. It's a great, great song. But every year around this time, Thanksgiving, and actually pretty much as soon as Halloween decorations came down, America gets ready to celebrate Christmas. And I call it the Great American Christmas Carousel. The strangest part for me is, as a Christian, we don't actually celebrate Christmas until the 25th. And for us, Christmas lasts from December 25th until Epiphany in January. That's the Christmas season. This is the Advent season. And the season of Advent is one of two times during the year when things change liturgically for the church. Our paraments, our music, our liturgy, it all changes. Our music, at least most of it, is written in a minor key, 
the, the, the liturgy is going to talk about some really dark subject matter. The scripture itself talks about some dark subject matter. And it's a solemn time where we're called to do introspection. And it's a time for penitence. If the if you have any background in the Catholic faith, uh, and even here, I'm not. We won't do it here either. But we don't sing any part of the Alleluia during Lent or during Advent, because it's a time for us to not be in a celebratory mood. And I think that's where I really kind of fall in line with the Kinks song, because that great, the great ending verse of their chorus is, "Give all the toys to the little rich boys." The season of Advent is not about wanting. It's about thinking and being penitent. It's the opposite of optimism and expectation. In Advent, we celebrate the initial weight of the world, waiting on the Messiah. And now we await the second coming of Christ. So we come to the first Sunday of our new year of Advent, and we look at the word hope. Now, Luke is going to be the gospel that we really focus on this next year. Um, Luke's gospel is actually the final year of the three-year cycle for the lectionary. So in 2020, it was Matthew. Uh, this past year, you know, it was Mark. And then now, going into 2022, it's Luke. You probably heard me say this, but Mark is kind of a, a down and in gospel. Um, and it's really like, it kind of goes into those psychological depths of our faith. Mark's mood is dark, and his insight is really penetrating. Luke is a little different than that. His is more of an up-and-out gospel, and it encourages mission. In fact, the whole mood of the book of Luke is about mission. And, and probably one of the things that we forget most often as Christians is that Luke was written as a two-part book, right? Part one is Luke. The second part is Acts, Okay. So Luke-Acts was written as a combination book. Uh, so you have the, the story of Christ that leads then to the ascension of Christ, and then you have the growth of the church. And so all of that is really about going outside of closed sections of faith. You have the birth of Jesus, the ministry in Galilee. You have the great ends of the earth, the church's growth. And then finally, you have Paul arriving in Rome, uh, kind of signifying at the end of Acts that the, the Christian message has gone into the greater world. So our text today comes from the second half of the first part of Luke, um, and it's the apocalyptical text. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the temple's destruction. So this is kind of Luke's version of that. And so you'll see that he begins this part of our pericope, the sun, the moon, the stars are all in flux. They're displaying signs of turmoil from the difficulties of the cosmos. Luke sweeps into the earth where powers of the world are in anguish and perplexity. And Luke takes it even more personally. Luke uses some of our physiological aspects to describe this feeling. We'll hear the sound of the rushing waters and the loss of breath. Now, the waters rushing in throughout the entire Bible have always been a looming disaster is on its way. And my translation, well, the translation we have in the bulletin as well, says a faint from fear, but the Greek actually means a loss of breath. So any of us that have ever, you know, been stuck underwater a little too long or 
you know, wearing masks and you just, oh God, it just feels so good to take the mask off after you've worn it for a while, right? That loss of breath, that's what people are going to experience at the end of the world. And in creation, it kind of makes sense that Luke's bringing this to our attention because in creation, what do you have that starts separating chaos into something else? You have a separation of the waters, and then in Genesis chapter 2, you have the breath of God being breathed into humanity. So Luke is kind of saying this is an uncreation or a decreation. Aren't you in a happy Christmas mood now, right? That this is our text for the day. But there's, there's hope. When you see the first shoots of all the trees you know that summer is on its way. Likewise, when you see the cosmic turmoil and you have interior fright, you know that God's kingdom is near. And so what is Jesus saying? The people of God are commanded to know that God's kingdom is around the corner. Now, I don't know about you, but I have kind of a mixed bag of emotions with this text. Um... On one hand, it's kind of like the Beatles say, it's getting better all the time, but it can't get no worse, right? The other hand, I'm, I'm looking at the world and I'm saying, no, it, it actually could be worse. I've, I've kind of didn't ask permission to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Last year around Christmas time, my heart was broken because one of the things that my daughters put on their Christmas wish list was pretty masks. And I never in this world thought that I would live in a world where that was something that my kids would have to ask for for Christmas. That they were tired of the medical mask. They didn't want it to just be plain. They wanted it to be pretty because in the, in the midst of a global pandemic, they wanted something to give them hope, some way to enjoy life. It's weird for us to have gone through this pandemic these last almost two full years you kind of have to think a little bit about apocalyptic thinking. The end of the world. The Omicron version variant is out. Things are suddenly going to get worse as a precursor to the end. Things are pretty horrible right now. We have wars and rumors of wars. As hard as I've tried to, to believe, I can't really, I can't really predict the future. Any of you that think that you can predict the future, that you know precisely what tomorrow holds, you're just kind of fibbing to yourself. We just don't know. We can have great plans, but those plans can fall. In fact, the Christian philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once said that the definition of anxiety is tomorrow. Because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Not knowing what tomorrow will bring is and can be as upsetting as the actual experience. And daggone it, as Christians, we're supposed to be positive people, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to be, happy? Aren't we supposed to be able to enjoy because we know that in the end God wins? And I think that's what Christ is saying here with the bloods, the buds and the blooms on the fig tree. Don't worry, tomorrow's coming. But tomorrow could be hard. Especially when we're talking about reality and not just a 
theoretical tomorrow. Any of you fans of Saturday Night Live? Can you stay up late enough to watch it? I used to be able to stay up to watch it. One of my favorite skits involved John Malkovich, um, who I think is just one of the greatest actors on the planet. Um, but he played uh, this role of kind of a negative Santa Claus. And just a realistic Santa Claus. Not just a negative, but a realistic Santa Claus. And he gets to this part where the children are there, and the children start talking about hope, and when he gets to the part about trying to answer their question about hope, he stops and he looks at the children and he says, you know what they say about hope? That we're clinging to reality with only the things that have been left behind and nothing else. And the kids all start crying, right? Santa Claus is not supposed to be a depressing example. But you know what? Like... That's all we really have as Christians as well. If we are to examine hope, we find that it's an essential tenet of Christianity. Most often philosophically stated as a story that serves as a promise or reason for expecting a better future. Now I want to challenge us a little this morning. Some of my dearest friends in college and even into adulthood um, are atheists agnostic. And hope is actually one of the best weapons to use against us, Christologically speaking. Because as much as hope is something that we cling to, and hope in many ways is all that we have as Christians, it's the first part that kind of can be attacked easily by a non-Christian. Jesus promised that things will be better, and not really been all that great historically. Jesus promises that Jesus will return. And we ain't seen nothing yet. And so, how do we have this hope? Hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. I like that first part, best of all, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. We should probably all pause on that a bit each day. The confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. Christologically, the definition of hope, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's care. Now that's something that was going through the mind of Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he was in Teagle Prison. He was having his own Advent time and he was writing a letter to his friend and his friend was saying, I hope you can have a happy Christmas. And Bonhoeffer writes and says, life in a prison cell may well be compared to Advent. One waits, one hopes, does this or that or the other. Things that are of really no consequence. The door is shut and only can be opened from the outside. It's not Happy Christmas. But I think it's very much an Advent statement. I'm reminded of a time 
when I was working as a chaplain, when a son had to make a very hard decision and remove care from his mom on the day before Thanksgiving. And his mom had been planning to have this great family feast at their house. They were from near Lexington, Kentucky. They had no beds because of COVID in the hospitals in Lexington or Cincinnati or Louisville, so they air flighted this lady to Huntington. And the son has to have this decision. He's the only person that can make the decision. And he does. And then for the next hour, he cries and says, I hope I made the right decision. And the rest of the family that had traveled with him that morning came in two by two to say their goodbyes to their aunt. And some of them could laugh a little and say, you know, she's never going to cuss me out again at Christmas. Thankfully, I have videos from last year. And in the midst of all of that suffering, watching her be extubated and watching her pass away within five or six minutes of having done that. It's really hard as a chaplain to not go, well, there's hope for a better day tomorrow. And as a Christian, that's what most of us say, because we're uncomfortable facing our own untimely demise. And so we say, well, at least she's with family in heaven, or at least she's out of pain. At least she's no longer suffering. And the hardest part of being a chaplain is staying in that pain with that family. But if you don't stay in that pain with the family in that moment, if you cheapen their pain by trying to give them a weird answer like, well, there's hope for a better tomorrow. It's a disservice to our own faith. Jesus wept at the death of his best friend. Jesus, a few chapters before this text today, looks at Jerusalem that he's getting ready to walk into and he weeps for Jerusalem and says, if only you knew what you could do to make this world a better place. And he weeps. Jesus' pain was not for his own life. It was for the life of another person. And once I figured that out, at least for my own faith journey, I've realized that hope is not for me. My hope is not for me to have a better day. Christianity would argue that our hope should be hoping for someone else to have a better day. That's the example that Christ gave us. And I think that's the crux of the waiting that we have in Advent. The waiting to deal with the pain that's on its way. So I'm going to try to give us hope. And maybe not a cheerful way, but a promising way. Let this Advent season and this waiting become a paradigm shift in your own lives. What would it be like if we were the church that hopes for other people because of the hope that we have in Christ? So my question is, are you willing to hope with me? Let's hope together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Now let us stand and declare that which we believe in the recitation, the Apostles' Creed.
I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. At this time in our worship, it's uh, time for us to respond to God's Word with the giving of our tithes and offerings. Tim has asked us to uh, remember a friend of his, uh, Samples family, a tragic story of a young mother who was fighting breast cancer who passed away uh, earlier this week, uh, leaving behind a husband and two daughters. And so if you um, have ever experienced anything like that, it's, uh, it's, it's tragic nonetheless. Um, but we can remember the Samples family 
a bit of a praise. Uh, Jamie's cousin, Kenzie McComas, uh, is now home. She had a little bit longer stay in Cincinnati than what the original plan was. Uh, she thought she would get to be home for Thanksgiving, but she had some uh, challenges with her breathing. But yesterday, she got to make the three-hour drive uh, from Cincinnati back home. So we're glad that she's home. And uh, Becca posted a great picture of her last night for the family to see. So that's a, it's a good praise. I'm certain that many of you have prayer concerns during this season of Advent and the season of the holidays. Let us bind our hearts and our minds together as we lift our petitions to our Lord and to our King. Let us pray. Holy God, we come to you this day. We come to you, Lord, as the great creator. And as we've just read this day in your text, Lord, someone who will bring about the decreation. We trust and know and believe, God, that you have in store for all of the cosmos a plan. We don't always understand that plan or can rarely make sense of it. And so, God, we have hope in you. Hope of the promise of things to come. We're mindful this day, Lord, of those who are alone and lonely during the holiday season a season that is difficult for so many to remember those whom they have loved and lost in the past. We're mindful, Lord, of those who are currently receiving treatment for disease and illness, who are hoping for a bright day to come. We're mindful, Lord, of the places in this globe where war is the order of the day and for those citizens who hope for a better day tomorrow. We pray, Lord, for political unrest around this globe. We pray, Lord, for those people who are maltreated because of their religious affiliation, places like China, Vietnam, the Horn of Africa, Malaysia. We pray, Lord, that for them they have hope of a better day. We pray, God, for everyone who has suffered with this global pandemic, pray, Lord, for the new variant that has popped up in Africa. We pray for the scientists and for the healers that they may have the courage to continue fighting the fight. We're thankful, God, for the medical professionals who have answered the call to the ministry of healing. We thank you, Lord, that they have devised plans and put into place actions that help people survive. We pray, God, for our president, for the leaders of our nation, our state and local leaders, whoever govern over us. We ask, God, that you would be patient with them as they listen for your still, small voice. We pray, God, for our service, men and women who have historically fought to keep us free and who are stationed around this globe. We pray for their safety and for their ability to communicate with their loved ones and perhaps even come home. We pray for a day, Lord, where... A standing military is not the order of the day. We pray for peace on earth. And God, because we are a community of faith, we pray for those who are seated around us, those to our right and to our left, in front of us and behind us. And in the stillness of this moment, Lord, we pray for ourselves.
God, we are amazed by your grace and the glory of your ways. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son to earth, that he showed us how to live and taught us also to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able for our final hymn this morning, soon and very soon. have heard me mention earlier that we've been without heat downstairs in our house, uh, well, since we moved in, frankly. Um, and so it's been uh, a bit challenging of late. October was not as bad, nearly as bad as November has been. Um, and so tomorrow, between the hours of eight and noon, we hope that our heat will be restored. Uh, we have that hope, but we cannot guarantee that that's going to happen. Um, the bit, the biggest blessing in all of this has been that we uh, asked the pe- person that sold the house to us to, to give us a home warranty. And so they did. And so we don't really have to pay much for this and we're getting a whole new system. So praise the Lord of hosts for that, right? And I think of the warranty uh, for our home as kind of a way that we experience Christ. You, you, you don't know what day it's going to be that you really need Christ in your life. But there's a promise from Christ that 
when that time comes, there's coverage. And it wasn't anything that you did yourself. It was actually something that someone else did did for you. And I think that is the true definition of the hope that we have in Christ. We've done nothing to earn the salvation that we will receive. It's a warranty that was promised long ago. And it's something that I think as we leave the church this day that we take to the world. Not necessarily saying, you must repent and have the blood of Jesus poured over you. Like, I don't, that's not it, right? But if we just are people that live with hope, we can make a radical difference in this world. So that's my, that's my charge to you. Let's be hopeful in the season of Advent. Now receive the blessing of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May he be with us all until we meet again, either here or his glorious kingdom come. Amen and amen. Have a great Sunday.